0: is now 54 or maybe season two episode two who knows uh, it's still both of them but of your show that's right the kickout crew my name is james del Corri, and i wanted to thank all y'all uh for joining today i want to thank everybody for listening to last week's episode it was a hell of a fun time i uh, think you, you know we uh we took a little break for having a guest but boy how did you have one of uh, this time so uh i'm gonna kick it over to mike to uh introduce our uh special guest
1: well, today, we have a very, very special guest. He is a five-time WCW Tag Team Champion. He is a member of the NWL, and my favorite part, the one to retire Goldberg from WCW, <laughs> Buff, the stuff, Bagwell. Hey. Buffman,
2: hey! What's up? What's up, guys?
1: how you doing man how's it going we're doing good
2: man how you doing good man doing real good bro doing fantastic uh so uh where do you uh where are you guys out of where are you guys out of
3: so we're all over the place here i'm philadelphia philadelphia pennsylvania Adam, there is okay. from
4: Alabama. I'm, I'm actually from a close area you might know of, right down the road from Biloxi, Alabama. I sure do. He, you know that very well because I met you there a few times myself.
5: Mickey Henry. Yeah,
1: Mickey the Hammer, That's him. And yeah. I, I'm from I'm from the northeast Georgia or northeast Georgia so that's where I'm from not too far from you now
2: yeah not far at all I'm from way
6: up here in uh, New York close to the Canadian border oh wow what's the city called Uh, it's a little town called Governor we're about two hours north of Syracuse wow you (laughs) are that's the first time I've heard that,
0: by the way. I didn't know you were from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I live in uh, Melbourne, Florida right now. Taking
3: it. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to go around the horn. We're just going to ask you a few questions before we watch these matches. That's all right. Let's do it. All right, Adam, you go ahead first, pal. All
4: right, Mr. Bagwell, like I mentioned earlier, um, well, first of all, i got a buddy of mine at work. I have been bragging about getting a chance to talk to you again this week. So, my buddy Wes at work says, please just let him know how big of a fan I am of him. So, he wanted me to let you know, my friend Wes, he's a huge, huge fan of yours. He just wanted me to tell you how much he appreciates everything you've done from American males all the way up to everything you're doing now.
2: Well, Tim, I really appreciate it. That means a lot. To me, and thank you very much. Uh,
4: so, I, I mentioned, you know, that I've, I met you a couple of times in the Boaz, Alabama area. I was mm-hmm. curious. I was curious how you got, uh, how you ended up meeting Mickey Henry, and how you got involved in coming out here to um to Boaz.
2: It's uh, a good question, but uh, but you know, I got into. Um, I was thrown into the independence, uh, of course, a lot quicker than I think anybody thought, um, you know, when, you know, when WWF, um, released me at the time, it was, it was, it was taboo. I mean, you know, Buff Bagwell was supposed to be on the WWF and continue to be on the WWE and I was going to be a big star and make a lot of money and everything was going to be great, but that, uh, that turned around. It didn't happen that way. So, um, When I got to the independence, Mickey was pretty close up on the on the call list. Just he somehow got in touch with me and asked me to come to Boaz, this this little town. And he was just a great guy, and he always um, took care of me. And and it wasn't necessarily the money part of it. I mean, of course, I I work for money, and everybody works for money. But at the same time, it was more how you get treated, and um, is it professional. Is it in a good place? And his little place was a little bitty hole in the wall, man. But oh, it was yeah. professionally done. It was a great place. and It was real professional and good matches and good good guys that could work. So, you know, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a great place to be it was always solid. So I went back for years.
4: So well, I know, I mean, I, like I said, I've met you. for that. <laughs> I met you that's in good. the locker a couple of times. That was back in maybe two thousand one, two thousand two. Um, me and his son were the tag team champions when you were around a little bit. So, um, and of course, you know what happened with him and whatnot. And I hate to hear about that, but uh, Mickey, Mickey was always good to us. I mean, I was real low on the totem pole. I I pref- I, was, I, mean, I hit the ring for a, a coke and a hot dog.
2: well you know that was uh that was the payday before um before i got into pro wrestling i mean when i got into pro wrestling like the at the independence in the very beginning and my carriage was i was a fabulous fabian and um and i remember several several um paydays was a was a hot dog and a coke and um, of course i didn't eat hot dogs or cokes but um (laughs) But I, I took they, I still took the experience um over you know anything else. And Missy Hyatt is who always taught me to do that. You know, she was, you're not there to make money. You're not there for anything else but to learn. So when it was time to wrestle, and then they were going to wrestle, if there wasn't no money there, we still wrestled. Um, I still did. And because I wanted to learn and get better so I could you know make it to WCW. So you know, Missy Missy Hyatt is someone that
1: brought you into wrestling, correct?
2: Yes, it sure is. She's uh, the main, the main person that brought me in. She's the whole reason for me even thinking about being a professional wrestler. Um, you know, we watched it as kids, but never really wanted to be a pro wrestler. Um, uh, I always want to be a pro athlete, but i never thought of uh, pro wrestling. You know. Well, so, hello. How, how how
1: did you come? How did you meet
2: Missy Hyatt? Missy Hyatt is the weirdest is in the world. Missy Hyatt. It was at um, was at my apartment complex. And she um, uh, saw me at a swimming pool, um, and I was um, uh, just really down about my life. I was young, and things weren't working out for me What I was trying to do my career. And so she saw me at the pool, and she was like, you know, won't you be a pro wrestler? And I'm like, what? And I said, oh, those guys don't make any money. You know, and she was like, yeah, our lowest paid guy makes $100,000 a year. And I said, what? <laughs> so talked to her for a few minutes, I went and got, go ahead.
1: Oh, we're laughing at your conversation.
2: Yeah. So I um um so I went to, you know, got 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 trained and I got him Steve the Brawler Lawler trained me. And I went and got trained and you know, started with the independent circuit and and there it went.
3: So if you don't mind, we're gonna jump all over the place a little bit with um with you. So if you're good with that, sure I, I was you know, I've, I've followed you a long time and, you know, I, I love I guess the, my my memory the most is you being out there with uh, Scott Steiner and just posing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And him being big pop a pop at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you consider that the highlight of your career being out there at that time?
2: Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would say yes. I mean, I would say, you know, the Scott Steiner thing happened where. Uh, it was me and Scott Norton were together when I broke my neck and uh, I broke my neck in 1998. It was uh, April 22nd, 1998. And I broke my neck on live thunder. And when I did that, we were going to, me and Scott Norton, were going to be the best tag team maybe ever. I mean, like the road warrior Steiner, you know, you know, demolition type big. We really thought Um, the name was incredibly cool, vicious and delicious. NWO was backing us, and yes, Scott Norton and Buff Bagwell. I mean, it was really, it was really everything it was supposed to be. And I broke my neck out of our one of our first, very first matches. And when I came back from my injury, I couldn't wrestle for ten months. But I made it back on TV in three months. And when I came back to TV, Scott Norton was in Japan, and so Scott Steiner was there. So they put me with Steiner and. Off we went, and it was a a great, it's a great you know connection. and he wasn't super over yet. I wasn't super over yet. but we really helped get each other over, and it was just a really good timing. But I would say that was definitely probably the biggest part of the career, yeah, absolutely. So, so just. We, like, I'm sorry, Mike, we,
3: let me just touch on that a little bit because he was mentioning the injury. And the injury is such a big thing in your career because, there's so much to talk about with that because you were down um, and nobody knew. And it was an ugly, very, and a very scary moment. And a lot of people say that the show should have stopped over something like that. Now, of course, at this time, we had a death happen on air and it didn't, the show didn't stop. So do you think today they would have stopped the show if that happened to you?
2: I don't know. You know keep in mind, live pro wrestling was pretty taboo um, to be live every week. And so you don't, you don't go over things like, what do you do when somebody gets injured, much less when somebody gets paralyzed. I was completely paralyzed. There was, there is no plan B to making wrestling real again. And all of a sudden, what do we do to fix somebody that's really hurt? You know, there's no, there's no plan. There's no plan B. There's no exit. And so, you know, the finish of that match was it was going to be, you know, Rick hits me with a bulldog, goes to cover me. Scott Steiner hits him with a chair, puts me on top. One, two, three, NWO wins. But as soon as he hit me with a bulldog, I was paralyzed instantly. So I'm telling everybody, don't touch me, don't touch me, and da-da-da-da-da, and it was just crazy. And then um, Scott put my arm over Rick. My arm just fell back to me. So both guys are on their backs, you know, one, two, three. Who won? So it was very confusing and weird, but they kept me on. And then it went to commercial break, and when it came back from commercial break, it still had me on. You know, so it was it was pretty weird. It was to me, it wasn't demeaning or wrong. Um, I thought it was great. They kept it on there It really show people what was going on. But to this day, I still get, hey man. Did you really get hurt that time, you know? And I'm like, yeah, bro, I was paralyzed, you know? So it was crazy, but it was, um again, like, they, like WCW would always do. Somebody actually broke their neck on live TV, and we didn't do anything to have a storyline, nothing. Rick Steiner, I wrestled Rick Steiner and Goldberg my first match back, and Rick Steiner beat me with a screwed-up bulldog. I took another bulldog forward and because and, I wasn't going to take it the same way because I got paralyzed and I lost my first match back for making it back to the ring by breaking my neck. So Jeez. it just, I got screwed out of that deal, of course. Other, yeah, it was ridiculous. And at a year-long angle, just thrown away after one match. So really bizarre, really weird, but it happened. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I got one question. Um, when, you, when you started tagging with Scott Norton, you became volicious uh, and delicious, right? And then, but, yeah, and that's about the time when you started calling yourself Buff Bagwell or started calling yourself Buff, and you started talking, like, to the camera more, mocking your all your opponents and the else. Did you come up with that, or did somebody else come up with that, or how did that come about with you talking in front of the camera and, like, making fun of your opponents and everything else in way?
2: It wasn't really thought of. I just, I just, um, I mean, there wasn't one thing I ever did that was planned. I mean, like, um, you know, I didn't plan my, that, that strut I would do. That right. that was not planned. I did it on a house show in Baltimore and Sting, and Sting said, hey man, that, I love that dance you do. And I went, what dance? He goes, you know, that dance you do. And I go, I don't know what you're talking about. I had to watch back a video somebody had of it because it wasn't TV. It was a house show. I had to watch back a video of what I did and copy what I did in the video. So the greatest things usually aren't never in my life. I never went over what I was going to say or do with the camera. I just felt like, you know, I went out one night and I spoke to the camera and the, I got some reaction about it. WCW threatened to fire me if I didn't quit talking into the camera. (laughs) And, and I was like, look, man, what do you, I like doing it. So I kept doing it and finally we call them the suits, but the power people of WCW came down and said, Bagwell needs to keep talking in the camera. So I guess the ratings were really high and they liked me doing it, but it just really was taboo for anybody to talk into the camera But the response and the action and the me getting over from it really was really high. So I kept doing it.
1: Awesome.
6: Devin, you got something for Buff? Yeah, absolutely. So um, earlier you touched about when you and Scott Norton joined together. Um, That was actually in New Japan Pro Wrestling, wasn't it? Yes. So uh, how did you like working over there in New Japan?
2: Um, It was great. First, I was scared and just didn't know how it worked. And really, is completely different than how it works here in the states. You know, over there, you go drop down, you know, leapfrog, hip toss, and the crowd goes crazy. Over there, you do a tackle, drop down, you know, leapfrog, hip toss, and it's silent. I mean, silent. And then you're just like, "What? "What? Are you kidding?" And then you can lock up with a guy and have a clean break and the crowd goes oh you know and you're like are you kidding so it's a complete different reaction to what you're used to so it takes a long time to get it takes a while to get used to doing things that respond and the way I did it was everybody everywhere you go in Japan they always say hi domo when you walk into a restaurant you hear hi domo hi domo when you leave a restaurant you'll hear hi domo hi domo if you're walking down the street and somebody bumps into you you hear hi domo so i don't know it's like a slang word the best i could find out from it it's like a slang word you know it's like a slang word in the states like you know what's up <laughs> you know what's up man or something like that i guess so here's an american walking up with a guy in the ring going to the corner And doing a clean break, but raising my hands and going "Hi, domo," and the crowd just loved it. The crowd just loved it, and so the uh, baseball is the number one sport in Japan, and wrestling is number two. And so uh, the number one magazine came to an article on me, and because they were so blown away with why I'm saying "Hi, domo." And it just really got over. But Scott and me got over in Japan, and it really worked. Like I said, me and Scotty would have been, I think, real, real big, me and Norton, if we could have just – if I hadn't have broke my neck, if that hadn't happened, and me and Norton would have gone instead of me and Steiner. You know, who knows? Nobody knows the future, and everything happens for a reason. And, but at the same time, I do – I like to think back on the tag team stuff me and Scott Norton could have done.
6: Yeah, you guys absolutely had so much potential together. Uh, I think it was uh, ridiculous. Uh, another one of your, yeah. your uh, famous tag teams was when you were with uh, Two Cool Scorpio. You guys only held the tag team championships one time together, though. Do you guys w- – do you wish you could have had a longer run and, like, that tag team could have went just longer overall?
2: You know, I look back on my whole career and really, you know, it just really – it wasn't. It wasn't time. Uh, by the time it was time for me and him to win it again, I'd won it. I'd, he had got fired, and I went on with the Patriot. So, and then I'd won him with the Patriot. And I won him with the Patriot twice. So, you know, I had five World Tag Team titles in eleven years. So, you know, that means every other year I was the World Tag Team Champion, and so. You know, I I didn't have no WCW title, no World Tag Team Championship, not even a run for a title, not even a run for the U.S. Championship, not even a run for a TV belt, but still, I was always in the mix with tag, and I think it's hard to have the tag belt and the TV belt, or a tag belt and, you know, you can and you hear about it, but still, it's pretty rare.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I I like your take on that. Like, uh,
1: you're a champion well, every other year. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Almost, almost as as many titles as the Hardys. If you think about it. But yeah. um, out out of all your tag team partners, who would you think would be your favorite person to tag
2: with? I mean, we we've I had. Used to, uh, I used. To, go ahead. I used to not be able to answer that because it's just too hard to pick out. But. I think I think I think Scotty Riggs was probably the best. Just, but mainly because, um, you know, it was more me. The American male gimmick was a lot more Buff Bagwell. It was more what I believed in with you know the goatee and the chokers and the earrings and. You know, being a little bit, we were baby faces, but that tag team could have been really good heels as well. And you know, it just, um, it was just more my character out of that. So, and I had more say, I had more, you know, stuff to say you know, about that. Too. It was my idea with the outfits, and it was my idea for us smoke to have facial hair, and so it just, it just had a lot more, you know, input with that tag team championship team, and so it was just a lot more fun for me.
3: Oh, no, works. I want to get back to this injury because I know we're jumping all over the place to jumping back, but you touched on it and I wanted to get back to it. You come back sure. after all that time and it just feels like all right. So let's talk about Roman Reigns came back after leukemia. Eventually we hope big yeah. e, big E comes back after this terrible neck injury he had. And what's gonna to happen to but well, what with Roman? Big cheers. Big E. There's no way it's not big cheers. You they I mean, don't you think there was a real missed opportunity here?
2: It was it was heat and jealousy, like everything else. In my career was. I mean, you can't you can't deny that. It's just there's no other way to explain that you take a person, much less a person. He makes it back. Now you don't just make it back in ten months. He makes it back in ten months in better shape than he was, and you beat him his first match back with the guy. That broke his neck. You can't even make that up, bro. You can't even make it up. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, they listen to me. They wanted me to take the bulldog so bad that I said I'm not doing it. And and Kevin Nash. I think I had heat with Kevin Nash at this time because Kevin Nash had the book, is what they call it. He was the one that was booking the matches. And when and when I remember him telling me, they, I said, Kevin, do you really want me to take the bulldog? And he goes, he acted like it wasn't him, but I believe it was him. And I said, God, Rick, I said, said, Scottie, I I mean, I said, Kevin, I can't do that. And so they wanted that so bad that I took the bulldog facing Rick. If you look at that match back, Mm -hmm. instead of taking the bulldog with it away from me, I face him and take the bulldog. It was just ridiculous. Triple H, to put it in comparison, Triple H tore his quad And you would have thought Jesus Christ rose again. So it was just crazy how they did me. Yeah, I agree with you.
4: Were the the politics real bad? I mean, you don't have to go into detail, but were they as bad as what people say they were back then in WCW? Uh,
2: Yeah, absolutely. They They were absolutely horrible. I mean, it was just, you know, in life, there's politics. In life, there's... The boss's son that gets the job. I mean, in life, there's politics. In life, there's kids that ain't as good on baseball teams, and other kids are playing. There's, you know, the rich kid that they don't like that kid's family. I mean, the poor kid that came to afford the clothes. I mean, there's politics in everything, but heat is just jealous. And Marietta, Georgia, we call it jealousy. And pro wrestling, they call it heat. So, you know, it's just ridiculous how but uh, it's just it's just it's just a silly thing that, you know, you, you think, you know, a guy that's in shape that works hard to make it back into the ring would be credited and be, you know, you know, clapped and you know, and cheered that he made it back in 10 months instead of being punished by taking a bulldog that nobody's ever taken it that way in 100 years. Can't make it up. Right. Well,
1: I also see. Uh, I also got another question here. Um, back in nineteen ninety nine, you had a boxing match with Roddy Roddy Piper. How how was it working with Piper at the time? Was he good with you, like backstage in the ring? Like how how was that doing for you?
2: Piper was really good. good. With me during that as well, so she was my manager for that match, and I remember. Um, well, first of all, I was a gold gloves state champion boxer um, as a 12 year old championship in boxing, and so I know how to. Um, you know, they had the match, and we were going to we were going to do boxing, and they had a thing where he put hot stuff on the gloves and got in my eyes, but I thought it was great. I It's really hard to do like a rocky boxing match to make it look real so you know piper was really tough and um i'm a tough kid too so it was really good so you know it's a really big deal i mean i beat piper and flair back to back weeks with the blockbuster and that's unheard of you know so it's you know with politics again you talk about you know yeah I had a lot of things go wrong for me but also a lot of things went right for me too you know by getting those two victories
1: awesome well that's cool and then, um, like you no, know, I mentioned in your uh, intro when I introduced you, you and Uber as Tony totally Buff, you know, you guys was the last ones to wrestle Goldberg in WCW. <laughs> how, how was that for you guys? You know, I probably kn- you didn't know at the time that was going to be his last, last match in WCW. But you my favorite, you retired Goldberg. So I am so happy for that. Like, you know, you guys are retiring Goldberg. How is it now, you know, knowing that you guys had his last WCW match?
2: I mean, it's cool, but again, I don't think I've ever been on one podcast or anything where that was really said because, you know, Goldberg was super over and, um, you know, it was, uh, it was the blockbuster, you know, because, you know, I just, nobody really talks about it. It's almost like Bill got um, threatened everybody's lives. If everybody ever talked about me beating him, they're going to kill him <laughs> because yeah. I never hear about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, see, I, I am definitely not a fan of Goldberg. So <laughs> when I was going through this and I seen that you were the last one and you guys retired Goldberg, I was like, yes, thank you. Finally somebody.
2: <laughs> yeah. We buried him and everything. Remember at the funeral.
1: Yeah. And then you guys had the the fan mason and everything else, and it was all great to me. Anything to yes. get rid of Goldberg, I was all down for. I love it.
3: Well, this is every single week with this guy. I mean, every <laughs> single week we got something we got to hear about Goldberg. I don't know what it I is. I hear you. So tell me about the handsome stranger. That that is. Uh, did you have fun playing that character?
2: You know, I, I really didn't have a chance to love that as much as I wanted to. I was extremely green. I came out of, a, out of North Georgia Wrestling not having any idea what I was doing in the ring. I was just was really trying. It's, you know, pro wrestling, let me say, is, is without a shadow of a doubt, not because I do this for a living, it is without a shadow of a doubt the hardest thing besides professional golf to be good at ever. It's just, I can't explain it. it you got to be cool. You got to be a little bit of a nerd. You gotta be a little bit an athlete. You gotta be a little bit clumsy. You got a little bit, you gotta be a little bit of liking cameras. You gotta be a little bit where you don't like cameras. You just gotta be a little bit of everything. And the better you get that, the more you're the rock. And to me, the rock is the perfect pro wrestler. Stone Cold would be the perfect pro wrestler. That's you got the look, you got the ability, you got the talk you got a little bit of everything and you got stone cold, a little bit of everything and you got the rock. And I mean, Hulk Hogan is a big star too, maybe the biggest ever, but I don't think he had everything like a rock or a stone cold did, but Hulk Hogan had, you know, just, he had, he had everything. He had the it factor as well. It's just amazing how, you know, just, it's just very hard to do, but the handsome stranger I really thought it was kind of not a good gimmick. And so I was a little bit embarrassed about it, not knowing that it was a really great character and a great gimmick. So years later, I was a little bit embarrassed about being a hamster stranger. And then at WCW, I heard one time that a guy goes, hey, you know, I, I, I love that hamster stranger. You know gimmick, and I was like, "What?" And and from that point on, I remember hearing always good things about everything that I had to do that. And I was working my way up, but it really was. I mean, I I take it and own that character because I really loved it, and it really was a very crucial point in my career of learning how to be a pro wrestler. And so I really learned volumes. Man, I went from loft in the ring as Fabian to really figuring it out as the Answer Stranger. And then, cut, and then turning out Marcos Alexander Bagwell at WCW.
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, I know we're getting ready to start this watch along with the Glacier match, you versus the Glacier, but I got one question for you, and I have to know this. Were you in the movie No Holds Barred?
2: Yes. You were, see? I yeah. Were you just, I, was some, a, I got a picture of it I can show you Right now, but I now a picture where hulk hogan I'm in the background of Hulk hogan and uh, this I'm in one scene as no holes barred i I paid a kid to turn my money to turn my certificate in so I get paid for being an extra I didn't even stay and do it myself I just showed up the first day and give a kid my thing to turn in so I got paid I was 19 years old. I was turned out in Atlanta, Georgia to meet to me. I had no idea I wanted to be a wrestler, nothing to do with wrestling at all. And I'm just there trying to be an actor or be a model. And it was a payday and and maybe been 18, maybe 18 years old. And so I went there to, you know, turned out for the show and turned out for the movie. So I was actually in the movie, no holds barred in one scene years later, Probably ten years later, I take a picture to Hulk Hogan. I go, look at this, bro. He's like, oh my god, you're kidding. I said, no. And so he knows I was in a movie with him. But you know, it was just crazy that you know that I was in a movie with Hulk Hogan, and ten years later, I'm a professional wrestler in the NWO with Hulk Hogan again. again. You came.
1: Yeah, you can't make that up. That's why I said. When I seen it at first, I'm like, there ain't no way he was in it. Because I think this was a year or two before you became, you know, got into the business. So seeing it then, it, it was just crazy to me that you are actually in the movie. And then you became a wrestler itself after the fact. So yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, and uh, I think um, we got a man, Adam. You ready to get this match started?
4: Yeah, I want to. I want share the screen and go to YouTube, Mister um, Bagwell. We're kind of you're kind of cutting in and out a little bit. Uh, we're catching uh, just a little bit of interference whenever you're chatting with us. Um, I don't know if maybe YouTube might interfere with that or anything like that. So if it does, I do apologize.
2: Okay. All
3: right, he's in. We're queuing up the match here. Uh, if you want to go ahead, um, James.
0: Oh, what match is that, you say? Well, <laughs> glad you asked. It is Glacier versus Buff Bagwell from WCW Monday Nitro. It took place September 1st, 1997 at the Pensacola Bay Center in Pensacola, Florida. It had a reported attendance of 6,483. The episode had a mm-hmm. TV rating of 4.8 and the match was a little uh, over six minutes
2: 50 50 grand oh yeah that's fine yeah you
4: ready right. two one play well, now we four, see. There, right
3: there. all right so for those of you at home that are, are not watching it is buff walking down the ramp with not not vincent not virgil which is it yeah it's Perfect. virgil
5: you got him got food?
3: vincent
1: how was Vincent in the back? You know, back in the day, was he a cool guy to work with, or
2: Um, Vincent? Yes, Vincent or Glacier?
1: Vincent, which one, buddy? Like- Vincent, when he went like just how was he as a person in the back? Was he you know pretty cool? He, or, you he know he
2: was he was great he was great back then. It was a lot of fun and you know he he knew his role he knew his job and Mike
6: Jones. That's what he did. There you go, Glacier. So, at this point in Glacier's career, he is actually the undefeated.
2: This this Glacier. match, I didn't know that during this time, you know. And, again, you talk about me making fun of wrestlers and stuff. This is one of the best things I ever did. This is most one of the most hilarious matches I've got. And I, I knew I was going over Glacier here but I had no idea how devastating this was for Glacier. This was his very first loss, and I don't think he ever won again.
1: (laughs) No, not after this. You you done broke the streak, and he was done for. That was it. I know.
0: Do you think his entrance costs more
2: than his salary? (laughs) The snow machine cost $100,000. Jeez. I'd say so. Then this 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 whole thing was Eric Bischoff's baby, and it just didn't work. I mean, Eric Bischoff was one of the, my favorite people in the world, but this this idea, and I thought it was great, but for whatever reason, somebody didn't think that the idea was working, so they just didn't do it. But but like me me doing this karate stuff in a minute. I didn't plan this i didn't even know i never had seen a glacier entrance in my life i didn't sit backstage and go oh look at glacier coming into the ring i could care less i was looking in the mirror shaving my goatee but (laughs) at the same time when i came to the ring i'm figuring it out right there what is that (laughs) (laughs) so it hit hit, so it hits me right here to make fun of (laughs) him that part's fantastic
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even though he was over there in the corner. He popped too. <laughs> oh, Mark Curtis, baby. and Brian Hildebrand.
2: There you my go. favorites. <laughs> was the rep and I broke my neck.
1: Dang. Oh, okay. Did, did you like being a heel? Did you like just going out there and just being the <laughs> shit out there and saying, hey, you know, I'm better than you.
2: Watch this one. Watch this.
4: Nice tight lockup.
2: This is a really good
1: match. This is one of my favorites that I've seen. Adam, no, there you go.
4: Do you think Glacier he gets a lot of unwarranted crap because of the gimmick he played? I mean, as far as a, a worker in the ring, do you think he just gets a lot of unwarranted criticism?
2: Um, yeah, probably. A great guy. That was a great character. Me and Glacier started together at North Georgia Wrestling. He was on a tag team called the Blazers, and I was the fabulous Fabian. Okay.
3: So all Did that. You that-, that- so all that um, stuff you were doing in the ring—that you know, copying him with the uh, the moves and everything like that—was that just all on the fly, like the uh, making fun of him and everything, or did you uh, know you were gonna do that before you got there?
2: Even watching it back. I don't believe me but i actually don't care if you do or not i swear to god it happened on the fly oh i, I have no it reason not to believe you <laughs> wanted, but i just no saw him doing to it and wanted to do something kind of funny so i imitate oh, it's just kind of tough it really is kind of hard to believe me
4: yeah, but that's what makes the best reactions though is doing stuff on the fly because you get genuine reactions
6: you, you can tell you're just having fun with it, too, because you pop yourself and just start laughing and fall to the mat.
5: <laughs> yeah.
6: It's
2: funny.
3: So, honestly, we can really tell how much you bring to this match because we saw a Glacier match. Like
2: all of that, that with a ref.
3: We, we saw a Glacier match with um, Mortis or Rath. I can't remember which one it was. And it was really just a lot of kicks and punches. You have a lot of athletic things to go in the ring. Did you call, were you the one calling the match?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, every time you go in the back, you, know, you go with each other. But I can tell by the way this match is laid out, like the kick when I jump. When he went over my head and went down low, like, that was his. But the drop-down leapfrog's face, a lot of this stuff looks like right out of my handbook.
4: Well, that was a beautiful standing up kick, by the way. That was beautiful. Thank you. I love that arrogant pen. I'm a huge fan of that arrogant pen. I love it. <laughs> you genuinely
3: look like you're having fun. You really do.
2: <laughs> that was the <laughs> But, but, but really, I really was having fun, but to make that come through to the camera, it's, it's, it's hard to do, man. But I just, I really was having fun, and it just, it comes across that way.
4: Ah, stung them first. You don't see that too often.
1: Do you think the whole thing with, like, glacier, if it would have happened, say, three or four years before this time, you think it would have got over then? You know, you
2: just never know, man. I I know they were trying to copy kind of the Mortal Kombat guys, you know, so I just just don't know. I mean, like I said, I thought it was a really – I thought it was pretty cool anyway what was going on, but for whatever reason, I can't remember what happened, but – they just felt like it wasn't progressing the way it was, should have been, so they just pulled the bl- they pulled the plug on it.
3: Such a great, I love that right there. Just the the big miss, and then coming back. I thought I got your knee and your ankle out there. I know maybe Vincent. Did you like coming down with at least one other person? Did you think that helped you as a heel character?
2: I think it gives me it gives me something else to play off of. It gave me something else to, to talk about or to do. Um, I always, I think that's what made me a really good tag team wrestler was I just did better here vincent is getting involved
6: again helping <laughs> you this time holding on to you
3: and here we go here it yes. is oh
5: yeah
3: that is a, a great finishing move Did was that one you can you come up with that yourself um did,
2: Man's did you it, um i wanted to copy I'm a big Rick Rude fan, so I love the Rude Awakening. And I was trying to think what I could do to make the Rude Awakening a high-powered move, you know. And the way to do that is to come off the ropes with something. And so that's what me and Scotty Riggs came up with.
1: Yeah, Yeah, see, I thought that was an awesome finishing with myself.
3: I'm glad you brought up Rick Rude. So, you know, we're we're not that far apart in age. Me, me and you, we're about six years apart. So Rick Rude is someone from my childhood. So then he is someone from your childhood. How did you um yeah. go from being a fan to working beside him? How'd you like that?
2: It was crazy because Rick was really one of the guys that you know. He was tall. He was big. He was jacked. He was a great wrestler, man. He was a good-looking dude. Um, he was a man. I mean, he was just – he just had all the pieces, again, to be a pro wrestler. And so he stood out to me as as a young, you know, fan watching pro wrestling. And, you know, I just – to be able to get in the ring with Rick, it was just crazy. And, you know, just – I remember when I wrestled him, um, you know, we go to the match and everything. we get a couple spots down and everything. And we get to the ring, and he's looking my direction. And I think he's looking – behind me because he's looking real mean. So I look behind me in the crowd and when I look back at him he's looking right at me and I'm like wow.
3: Fantastic.
2: Yeah. He just had this real intense look on his face, you know.
3: (laughs) I can only imagine.
2: I just can't even imagine. Uh, What do we want to do next
3: here, boys?
4: Well, I was I was curious if you still keep in contact with anybody from WCW or WWE. That and I know I know DDP and of course with Jake and whatnot. But is there anybody else from WCW days that you just really enjoy being around and you stay in contact with? Um, You know me and me
2: and the. uh, good bit with their they're right here in the same county as i live in in cherokee county and you know, rick's a rick's a big deal in cherokee county and you know scotty lives here as well so you know just just a lot of stuff like that and me and lex stay in touch and you know me and mark marrow we stay in touch a little bit too and you know he was johnny be bad and um so we just uh we, we say i stay in touch with a few but it's, it's more like high school it's like you, know, you say you're gonna stay in touch with everybody forever but you know life life happens and you don't yep well
4: i you, think when um, him, but when you see them though it feels like it just it it just it seems like you just talked to him yesterday Even though it's been 20 years if you see him it feels like it's like you just talk, you talked to him yesterday
2: it does it really does i mean can we pick up right there we go off.
1: yes i know i think it was back in like 2017 you at the time you working for the nwa and i went to a show and it was you and scott steiner working and i believe you were the world title world champion for nwa at the time and this was in um havisham georgia somewhere around that area yeah. did, did you enjoy working for that nwa at the time or
2: yeah it was I, a lot of fun you know i um, Um, matches that people think are, are going to be good against each other, it ends up splitting the crowd. Like instead of me and Scotty tag teaming together and the whole audience loving us together, if you put us against each other, it's gonna split the audience and it just ends up not being what the promoter thinks it's gonna be.
1: Right. And I, I think you you were a uh... A three-time world champion for nwa is that is that correct
2: uh i don't know i'm not sure i don't i don't keep up with the indies a lot but i think uh, yep. that's right. well I, I know if it
1: comes to indies world titles you got way more than rick reyer so no. congrats <laughs> you. there you go <laughs> so and. Uh, I think Brad. Brad, do you have any questions from Twitter or anything else like that? Oh, I got lots of questions from
3: our from some of our fans. Um, I wasn't quite ready, Mike, because you didn't warn me. <laughs> but um,
2: here we go. Right.
3: So this question comes from a, a young lady named Deb Stanton. Now, Deb Stanton is my wife, <laughs> and uh, was very excited to, after looking at several of your pictures that you were coming on the show. But she wanted to right. know um, <laughs> which film or television show was your favorite to participate in. And was it charmed?
2: Um, yeah, charm was definitely uh, the, the fa- most favorite thing I did because it was. We really, I mean, it was really like Hollywood. We were really on a, uh, a big show with big stars, and 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 as we were shooting it, you know, usually whether it's luck, bad luck, good luck, I'm not sure which. I always seem to not get over on those shows and on the charmed episode i didn't get beat um it was like i went over kind of which is rare for buff backwell and like <laughs> scotty went to the scotty went to hell in the ring and booker t went to hell in the ring and i didn't i don't think i went down through the ring so it seemed like i finally went over for a change <laughs>
3: <laughs> fantastic so i just have um a couple questions here one is this is from Ben Jones. He's got a couple of them. We'll just start with this one. Do you have any memories from the WWA tour of Australia in 2001? He saw you there in Perth when you defeated Disco Inferno. So uh, he wanted to know if you had any memories of being out there in Australia.
2: Man, Australia. Every time I talk about Australia, it's, it's nothing but great talk because Australia was fantastic. I mean, it was just such a great A great trip, a great time in my career even because, again, that was going to be another company that was going to be the big company. Luger, Sid Vicious, I mean, everybody that Vince didn't have, the WWA had, Jeff Jarrett, Road Dog. I mean, everybody that Vince didn't have was at the WWA. Jerry Lawler, I mean, everybody. And we were going to be the next big thing, and before you know it, we were not going to be the next big thing.
1: <laughs> it just
2: happened like that. Yes,
1: it you, did. You did uh, three tours with them, right? Yes. Okay.
3: So then I got a question from a um, another. I got a couple from this guy as well, so you'll you'll hear a couple. Mike Gallagher, friend of the show, Mike Gallagher. When the WWE or WCW match didn't go as planned. What were your expectations about what to do next in your wrestling career? Or when you're I'm sorry, I'm going to say that again. When the WWE match didn't go as planned, what were your expectations about what was next in your wrestling career?
2: Well, first of all, that nothing happened at all with the match. That's just something they made up to try to figure out something to figure out something to fire me for. I don't I want to remind him, whoever the guy's name was, I can't remember, but I also want to remind everybody listening that it's almost impossible to be main event in pro wrestling one week and seven days later be fired. There's nothing that can explain that nothing except they don't want you there, but they had to figure out, they don't want you there in six days. It's, 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 it's hard to wrap your head. It's hard to wrap your head around. It just, it just don't make sense. So, you know, first we were like, why are we putting this Booker T match on in, 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 in Tacoma, Washington, when we could do this next week in Atlanta? You know, and then, and then they try to say it's a bad match. You can go back and look at that match backwards, forwards, and throughout over and over a thousand times. There is not one miscue. There is not one bad punch. There's not a bad kick. There, the only thing bad, the story of the match. The, the, there's nothing you could pick apart about the hit toss wasn't good, or the punch wasn't good, or the clothesline wasn't good, or we 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 messed something up. Something didn't look quite right. Nothing like that happened. So it's just really weird that they, but everybody listened to that. Everybody, everybody believed when they said. Buff got fired for the bad match, you know. Buff didn't get fired. They I mean, Buff didn't get fired for you know the the five the five World Tag Team Championships and eleven years of having hardly any mistakes on TV. So just really weird they got everybody to believe that it was a bad match. But regardless, whether it's bad or good, that you know the, the point of it is that they made people believe it. So you know, out of that, you know, I was devastated, bro. I mean. It was, it was, I couldn't believe it. I mean, first of all, I've never been fired from anything because I've never had a job. So I was, you know, 20 years old when I got into pro wrestling. I didn't have a job. My, my parents were well off and they went broke my senior year. So I didn't have a job. I didn't know what it was like to work and get fired because I was only 20. So WCW was my first job. I was like, are y'all firing me? And they were like, no, we're releasing you. (laughs) And my hand went back up. I was like, wait a second. What does that mean? In releasing, does that mean fired? And they were like, no, if we release you, we can bring you back in three months. And if we fire you, we can't. Well, even at me being young and and dumb, even I knew that meant it was over. (laughs) So shut up, start shaking hands, Continue to smile, thank everybody, and get in your Jag that you can't afford, and go drive to your million dollar home that you can't afford because it's over. Yeah, it's, I, I actually watched that match this
1: past week, and I agree with you. There was not nothing bad about it. There's not no bad moves. There's, I mean, and I didn't understand at the time either. You know, especially watching back now, it's like there. This is not a bad. We have worse match now on Monday Night Raw. Or Friday Night SmackDown, then what every that means? Every yeah, every single week there's worse matches on there. So I mean, I it's mean, just... in a
2: perfect in a perfect world, psychology could definitely be in that match of saying the psychology may not have been good. Maybe the the heat and the comeback. If you want to get real picky about the psych it is, and again, these kind of stories don't get told. But the facts are Johnny Ace was WCW's bosses. That's, we had to answer to Johnny Ace. Pat Patterson Mm -hmm. did WWF's main event matches. He's who you went to. If you were the WWF and it was time for your finish, he gave the main event finishes what you were supposed to do. The night of me and Booker T's match, Pat Patterson thought that Johnny Ace was going to give us our finish and johnny a thought pat patterson was going to give me and booker our finish neither one of them did so me and booker did what we thought was right and they didn't like the way we did our our you know our um story uh, our you know our uh, i said it a minute ago our um I can't think what I'm looking for, you know, the storyline stuff. Um, yeah, the angle and uh, um, the poetry. The, the what i was trying to think of the, but the, you know, the, the the it seems like that that was missing a little bit. But still, it wasn't because of us. It was because we didn't get told what they wanted. So Stone Cold is who gave us our finish. Stone Cold told us he was going to show up, hit the ring, you know, beat Booker up. He wanted me to jump in and then we're going to beat Booker out the back, and then we're going to throw you out the back door too, Bagwell. And we just thought they were going to do that, and then we're going to do something real big in Atlanta next week. We were excited. We had no idea that next week was I was fired. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. I got another
3: question here from Josh Fields. So he says, Bob, you're known for being in great shape. Obviously, um, your name is because of that. Um, could you speak, though, to the difficulty of getting into ring shape?
2: Uh, Yes, I can. And man, ring shape is really, it really is a whole different thing, man. It's, I mean, that's where, you know, cardio and, you know, really being up with your cardio and stuff, it's just, it's just different being in, you know, body shape instead of being in real good conditioning shape. And, you know, during that time with, you know, that, with that going on, I had, you know, with WCW going under, I was really depressed. I mean, I went from making, you know, three quarters of a million dollars to one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. I was motorcycles. I was still making good money, but it was very devastating. And just to break even and get my life going again, I had to lose everything I built. So it was a big deal and I wasn't in a good place at all. And I'd gotten out of shape for that Booker T match. And so I was definitely not in. I wasn't. I went in great body shape. I looked good but I wasn't ripped like I had been before. So, you know, I would definitely have fell off the wagon a little bit and wasn't really doing what I do. But at the same time, you know, it's a big difference. Ring shape is definitely that cardio level that nobody knows.
1: Yeah, we've all heard that, you know, there's a big difference between being in shape and in ring shape. So, I mean, we had, you know, Listen to a bunch of different wrestlers too talking about it, you know. And they come back, they come in the ring, and they look like they're in fantastic shape, but they said that's completely different than being in ring shape, taking bumps and everything else. So I can imagine that's
2: completely different. Yes, it really is. So, another thing too,
1: back in oh um, two to oh three, and then again in two thousand and six, you worked for TNA. How was your? T- how did you like your time in TNA?
2: Um, again, uh, TNA, man, just, they didn't, they didn't care. They didn't, they wasn't, they wasn't above fans at all. I remember the very first TNA show, they had me promote everything. I mean, I did, I remember driving to places. I barely made it in time because they had to be doing so many things to promote the very first TNA show. I mean, I was live on a news broadcast in Alabama somewhere. I was live at another place, Three places I was live on TV promoting it. Barely made it back to the building in time. Toby was
5: singing
2: that night, the very first one in Huntsville, Alabama. And I got there after plugging the – I get to the building. And I mean, the very first thing going on was the 20-man battle royal. And I was the first one thrown out of the ring. So automatically, here we go again. You know, I'm like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding. So again, it was, you know, not not good. And you know, the kid has been coming back a few times, but not a lot. And, and I got more and more depressed and started drinking more and more, and it just kind of checked out. All right.
3: So I got a question here from our good friend Allison Faye. We do have a couple female fans, go figure. But it's always the same question with her. What's your hair care root, hair care routine? And is the mullet your go-to? I can't. I, I, can't, I don't
2: write the questions. The, 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 I don't know. I don't understand the mullet. But I don't I mean, understand like, I it some,
3: either. I don't remember you ever having a mullet. I don't know what else he's talking about.
2: I don't, I don't either. But hair care, I go to a place <laughs> called 313 Salons in Marietta, Georgia. And they've been there for 50 years this year. So they're a real giant big Hair place. Misty Hyatt, 30 years ago, is who told me about this place. They're in the same hometown I live in. They're called 313 Salons and Boutique. We called them Super Hair back in the day, but they're just a famous, you know, famous hair salon place in Atlanta, Georgia that a lot, a lot of people go to. A real high end, expensive haircut place you know like a, a boutique, and it's just really really a really big company so that would be my secret yeah
3: <laughs> well as you can see it doesn't matter for me much but uh you know i appreciate you giving us the information um <laughs> so um mike gallagher wants I to know
2: i have i don't have marcus alexander bagel hair like i used to I gotcha, uh, Except for but, uh, Yes, I, I love it. yours. Is, yours is much easier, bro.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so now, from Mike Gallagher again, he, wanted, he said the American Male's theme song is so good, but he wanted to know if you had a good Scotty Riggs story.
2: Whoa, <laughs> yeah,
5: but you can tell. <laughs> Yeah,
2: me and Scotty's me me stories are there's a bunch, but really again him being one of the best tag teams is because, you know, really it, it was more it was more who I was during all that with the partying and going out with the fans and girls and clubs and you know just you know the way we dressed and and the way we looked and our outfits and it was really, I mean, it should have been a heel tag team, but it should have been, but it was a baby face tag team. But at the same time, the best Scotty story I got is it's cool that I named him. Um, Lethal Weapon had just came out and I love that movie Lethal Weapon. And so when we we're trying to think of a name for Scotty, we, you know, I thought oh, what about Riggs. So, you know, Riggs and Bertal was their names and yeah. so I came up with Scotty Riggs. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's awesome. Good.
3: So I got another one here from Mike. He said, I've read you were a standout baseball player. Did you get drafted and recruited out of high school, or did you just go right to wrestling?
2: The hardest thing in the world, the worst thing that can happen to any kid in high school is to be good at sport and their parents be rich. Um, My parents were very well off, and... That meant I didn't give a crap about school. My parents didn't push school at all. We were going to graduate and we were going to work for the lumber yard. And with that said, I, you know, my grade point average was horrible. I barely graduated. My brothers, both my brothers barely graduated because my parents didn't care. Again, we were going to work for the lumber yard, but we were all great in sports. So my senior year, I was all county and all state in football and baseball, but I wanted to be big. I wanted to be, I didn't know I was going to be a wrestler. I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to have a, I wanted to be like a pro bodybuilder. That's what I really, truly wanted. And I try to fit in baseball into that routine, but working out goes dead against everything to do with baseball, your baseball swing, your baseball throw. I mean, the senior, my, my varsity coach, threatened my life if he caught me at the gym he'd kill me because working out does everything wrong with your, your mechanics of throwing a baseball and swinging a bat it just really hurts you in every category so but I still didn't listen of course I still kept working out and I played first base and that way it didn't affect my arm and then I could bat I still was a good batter I batted like 600 my senior year and just had a great season we went to the quarterfinal of the state I was a great, great baseball player, but no kind of, a drag, no kind of, you know, scholarship or not like that because for the, for my, my, you know, my family's you know, lumber yard. And, and then that went out my senior year. I mean, like late, like when I graduated 1988, after I graduated, we found out our company's going under and all three boys were like, what did we do? Why didn't we focus more? You know? So, it gave me the Tuesday morning quarterback, so it was a little bit too late. You kind of lost your fallback plan there. I sure did.
3: <laughs> I have one last fan question from Ben Jones. Were you? What were your thoughts on Hulk Hogan before he joined WCW, and how did it compare to once he had joined and you got to spend time with him? before we
2: wcw you know we thought for sure that if we could have like a hulk hogan that we were going to be we could be the next big big company you know we thought we really could be and the wwf have been killing us for years and nobody really knew the words the letters wcw we everybody knew wwf and that bothered, you know, our WCW guys because I'm a I was a full blooded, you know, WCW guy, you know, so was Steam. We're the only two guys we heard the word that Hulk was coming in. We were ecstatic that we were finally gonna be, you know, something kind of big. And the very first thing Hogan was doing was we were doing a Germany tour and the house numbers were bad. It wasn't a good turnout. So we were really what we thought was gonna be great didn't work. It didn't it didn't add to it. And then they thought of the NWO, and then it worked.
3: Oh hell yeah, it worked! So I mean, we have not even talked about the NWO, which is really kind of funny. <laughs> when you heard when you heard that you were going to be in the NWO, I mean, what, what were you thinking?
2: <laughs> well, me and Scotty, R- American males, and. We were in Salisbury, Maryland, and uh, Kevin Nash walked into the dressing room and I, said, and I was like, hey, Kev, what's up, bro? And he goes, oh, not much. He goes, "Um, you want to be in the, the NWO? And I went, what? And I go, well, hell yeah, I want to be in the NWO, you know. And so at the same time saying, yeah, I want to be in the NWO, you know, Scotty Riggs is hung out to dry, bro, you know. I mean, American Males is going to be over. So. That night was the same night that Eric said, you got 30 days to join the NWO or you're fired. And me and Scottie Riggs were the first two out the gate to come down. But, you know, me joining was slowly but surely, you know, the end of Scotty Riggs' career. But he still got to run out of the flock and had a good run still, but it just wasn't the best situation for me and Scotty's friendship, you know. Do you
6: wish Scotty could have joined you in the NWO and you guys could have kept the American Males Tag Team kind of under the NWO banner?
2: Like I said a minute ago, I was, you know, I was, my blood was WCW. And me and Sting are the only two wrestlers that did the full... 10 years without going back and forth at WCW, Year run, me and Sting are the only two to WWF with that said to be the guy they wanted in the NWO first, because I was such a a WCW guy. You know, you could have had me as one of the flag bearers of WCW and Sting and Luger and have those guys as the WCW guys and Dallas Page and, and I have all the other guys as the NWO guys, you know? So, um, that's what the first thought of it was, and then whatever reason they chose me, thank god, and I was in the NWO. I definitely
6: could have set up a face turn down the road to join the Lugers and Stinks eventually and go up against the NWO. I wish yeah. NWO had a, or I wish WCW had a little better, uh, you know, long term storytelling at the time. <laughs>
2: I wish a lot of things broke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, Adam, are you ready for this other one? All right. Well, yeah, uh,
5: we'll
0: we queue up match too. I guess I'll do the uh, intros and get that out of the way. And uh, the second one is Buff Bagwell versus Chris Jericho. And it took place from uh, NWO Monday Nitro uh, December 22nd, 1997 from the Macon Coliseum in Macon, Georgia. Had an attendance of 7,615, had a TV rating of a 3.5 and a match length of a little over eight minutes.
5: Boom. So three, two, one, go. Let's do it.
3: All right. Oh, God, I love this shit.
2: They <laughs> really do.
4: You want to yeah, talk about uh, two 30 years ago.
3: <laughs> two big personalities
2: in the ring right there, buff. That's pretty strong, right there. That's pretty strong. <laughs> Jericho was real upset; he had to lose, right?
1: <laughs> oh. You can imagine. How, how was uh, Jericho to work with at this time? Like, was he big-headed? Was he just going Or because this was a little bit before he left to go to WWE at the time.
2: I remember this vividly, and uh, he was really upset about losing. So in the match, um, he really was real stiff uh, in the match. And I was, you know, of course, stiff back because I was a tough kid. But I, I remember saying, thinking to myself, you know, um, that it was going to be tough to have a good match with him because he was so stiff. But he was—he really was such a great wrestler. It didn't interfere with his talent. All right.
4: He, he hated the uh, cruiserweight moniker because he wasn't really a cruiserweight. Yeah, and I think he since he was tagged with that moniker, I think it really upset him,
2: didn't it? It did. He didn't like that. Talking you- about mess, up, talking about mess ups. One of the very few matches I've ever seen. and This is a great match, by the way. But there is actually a complete mess up in this match, and I'm going for a leapfrog, and he don't know it, and. Um, for whatever reason, we got off on the spot and we kind of collide in midair mer- a little bit.
3: Oh, I uh, seen your, you're live. Time. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> exactly. But it's still even live, man. You do, I just didn't mess up much, bro. No, good for you.
3: Good. It's good to hear. Took your job seriously.
2: Yes, I did.
3: Do you like so, working so- on the outside like that? I
2: don't. You don't see that a lot from Buff back Boy. Just, I just didn't do it. I like to get in the ring, and you know, and for whatever reason, we, you know, we did something out here, but I really didn't do it a lot. Um, I like to get in the ring, and the camera's hard to get to you, and it pretty much, if I was ever outside the ring, I got it back in the ring pretty quick.
5: During this match, we had Rick Rude uh, commentating. Yeah, yeah. So it was
4: just crazy how you know earlier we was talking about how you. You looked up to him and everything, and now here he is, uh, commentating on one of your matches.
2: Yes.
3: Who do you think has the better tights game here, you or Jericho?
2: Well, me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, love the, I love those
3: colors, man. Those colors are great.
2: Yeah, they, they, those tights do look good, man. But that brick wall pattern we had was a real popular pattern, man. Did, did you come up with that gear, or did somebody else come up with it? Scott Norton was the guy that come to me with the brick wall. And I said, Scott, that's not going to last on your tights, bro. And it did. And I was blown away. And so the guy that did it got real busy with top hats, overalls, and tights.
4: (laughs) Oh, I missed the top hat. Oh, I forgot about the top hat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can't forget about that. So you were what, just talking about what was your favorite gear that you wore? Do you have anything special like that? Anything that you thought was your best outfit that you wore? Or-
2: I, I mean that outfit right there. I can tell I, I wore it several times in matches. You know I try to look different every week, but I can tell that the brick wall just had a certain look about it. It just looks so good, man. And nobody had the brick wall tights. Nobody. And right. so it just really had a good look about it. And so, of course, I wore them, but, you know, later on, it got to where I'd airbrush something every week, something different. And then it was red tights. Then I tried to go to gold tights for a while and just got to try to get different, different tights to keep everything fresh and new, you know?
5: Uh, it's getting close the to roof? that
2: mistake. It's getting close to that mistake here. I go to.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quick little respond, the center of the ring.
0: I like the active uh facial expressions and everything too, not just letting it rest. Sure.
4: Give them a little bit of hell too while you're
3: there.
5: <laughs> Always.
3: Playing to the camera. Always. Talking shit too. I don't know what you're saying, but I'm 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 buying it.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: So are, are you watching anything today? Is there anything that you're watching, like WWE or
2: um I, I try, to watch, I try to watch all of it. I try to watch all of it. I A-W. AEW is real good, but I try to watch WWE as well, you know? I mean it's all about trying to watch
6: as much as I can. So what do you it, think about it, what Chris Jericho's been able to do over in AEW?
2: Unbelievable, man. Just really so proud of him, man, to be that big a star and even going from right here, he was making 150 grand with us a year guaranteed money and he was he, he was unhappy though man and because he wanted to be a star and we were all like look chris get paid man what are you doing brother you know and um he, he just he wanted to be a star though so I, I i really commend him on that and he he so he left he left and go to vince and he became a, a giant star because of it and dad he did he became a great star i think so- that spot's coming right here when i shoot him off the ropes i go to leapfrog him, but he, he catches me i think
4: I think he kind of hangs you up on the, on the top rope, if I'm not mistaken.
2: We go into the top rope. You're right. Who
1: who is it now that you are most interested in when you when you're watching? Is there anybody specific that you see that you like watching?
2: You know, not really, man. I just every time I watch, I try to see if a buff bag will carry to. Fit. and every time yeah. i watch it will well i can say this you is know a great missed elbow i do absolutely myself out and do a full that's a great yeah, mess i mean that's fantastic it really is
4: yeah it was good timing on his part too to make it look like you really missed
2: there
6: it is There's that messed up yeah. yep you guys played it off well, though. Yeah, I think y'all,
4: y'all covered it up real good. I mean, if we didn't already know to look for it, I don't think you could really tell.
2: But I that, to me, good. that, to me, is
0: like what Old Mickey and J. Out
4: of that whole match, that's the one thing probably sticks out the most to you, ain't it?
1: Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, I can say, you know, with all this, you know, like you're saying, like another buff Bagwell, the only one that is, you know, that has the arrogance, I guess you can call it, um, would be uh, Devin's favorite wrestler, Sammy Guevara.
5: Man, he took you know, the words
1: out, out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, of course, you know, you're oh, 200 sorry. times better than That's Sammy good. Guevara. You know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Out of that the five, a... out of the five of us, only Devin likes him. So we'll do that,
6: one. <laughs> that was a and fantastic this... transition into the blockbuster. There, like we've seen a few different ways, but you shoving oh. Jericho off the ropes.
3: What with God, why? What, what did this referee do to you? You're always
6: what in the ribs <laughs> in this era.
0: always <laughs> in the ring. <rest. laughs> <And laughs> he
1: he gave the victory. <laughs> Buff must pose.
4: Both, both Absolutely.
3: <laughs> that was a great match. That was a lot
2: of fun to watch. That was a um, lot of fun to watch, man.
4: And so many NWO fans too. I mean, you even though you took out the referee, everybody's still cheering for you.
2: <laughs> I'm real. I'm really blown up right here. I'm really tired. I remember this.
1: And they come back and.
4: Imagine, that, a beautiful. That right
1: there is just beautiful. That's a beautiful move. So
2: did you have a favorite uh,
1: referee
0: to like do your matches or did that even matter to you?
2: Um, you know, our, our main event rep would be probably called Nick Patrick, but mm-hmm. he, um, you know, he was really my favorite guy. He's who named me Nick Patrick's who gave me Buff's name. Oh, damn. Oh, okay. That's nice. We didn't know that. Yeah, We we're, we're, were on a plane ride home trying to figure out a name for me. And I can't remember what names we were coming up with, but, in the back of the like back of first class and the in the shadows, all of a sudden we heard, what about Buff Bagwell? And we all just went, What? And nobody else guessed another thing. Buff Bagwell, as soon as we heard it, that was it. And Nick Patrick's who said it. Oh, that's what? amazing.
4: So who come up with the I'm um, Buff on the stuff and the girls who can't get in there? Who come up with that whole tagline?
2: That would be me.
4: I loved it.
2: Yeah. It right. <laughs> so
6: that whole name transition actually came in between the two matches that we covered there. Cause the first really match did. you are introduced as Marcus Bagwell. And the second one you're introduced as Buff Bagwell.
2: Really? And yeah. yeah. So from se- I, September to December there. Even I don't know the timeline of really when I brought Buff out. I just knew I was wanting the Buff character, but I always put it the Buff with the top hat, but I don't think it was. I think I was Marcus Alexander Bagwell with the top hat. I think. But it I was.
1: It, it was mainly right when you turned to NWO is when you started being Buff Bagwell, right, right after you turned that. Hmm. But um, I got one more thing. You know, here at the Kickout Crew, you know, we just had WrestleMania, so we had a thing called Cocklemania. This Kickout guy, crew, this Cock-o-mania. So, so almost next WrestleMania. This is going to be our last one for it. Oh, okay. For our main event, we're going to have a 1997, 1998 Buff Bagwell versus anybody on the main roster right now. Who are you going against? Uh, and of course, uh, uh, you're winning.
2: <laughs> uh, gosh, that's so hard, man. I don't know. Um, I think awesome? the guy, I think whoever this guy likes, the A&E, AEW guy. Uh oh, um, really? I, I, I mean I like he's he's I like he's him or Cody Rhodes. There you go. No, there I, you go.
3: Cody. On, We're go. only accepting the Cody Rhodes answer. I was yeah,
4: thinking
3: of Braun Breaker, you know.
2: Hey, that would be a great one, man. Oh. The Steiners boy. I mean, that'd be fantastic. Good God. A story. Oh, man. The
3: story's already told.
2: Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, he broke my really? neck. I mean, we finally could get the two year long run we wanted out of that breakneck.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. That'd be a long time coming. Yeah. I want
2: to
0: bring up something from uh Uh-oh. the uh the same uh nitro that we watched uh, or the same match from the nitro earlier, the glacier was the same one where uh, you and the NWO did a little parody of uh, the Four Horsemen. Yes, and, it is. And, uh, of course, you played Kurt. Is there any, like, stories behind that? We all know the rumored heat and all that stuff. Arm was pissed, everything. Uh, how did that uh, all go down?
2: Well, I got a go y'all I don't know about. Um... <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. Arn, and I put him in a styrofoam cooler. And so when they when I came into the building and they were going to do this skit, I'm the one that gave Kevin Nash the styrofoam cooler to imitate Arn. And the styrofoam cooler is what Arn was most mad about. Hmm. <laughs> so I got all the heat.
1: <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs>
2: Mike,
3: where are we going now with this, buddy?
1: I think now we got. um, Is it Wonka 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 or yeah, Debbie's but- um...
3: <laughs> Go ahead, Adam.
4: All right. So, Mr. Bagwell, I do a thing every week where I like to pull up a couple of dad jokes. And they're sometimes they're the most corniest dad jokes. And some of them actually get a good pop. So, I was. For one, I was gonna see if maybe you have one or two that's always a good one for you, or maybe you have a favorite. That's just a good old just on corny dad joke. Do you like to tell people?
2: Yeah, I, I don't I don't have any dead jokes, but um all my jokes I don't think I can tell them online. I mean on the <laughs> they're pretty rough. Oh, this is not a PG
3: show. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, so I got a couple of corny ones out now. I usually do about three or four a show and Um this one kind of caught my attention. It says, What does a baby computer call his father? Data.
2: Data.
5: That's the reaction we
2: have as well. Data. (laughs) What was say do that whole thing again? (laughs) It
4: says, What does a baby computer call his father? Data.
5: Wow, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> weak,
3: when you got to explain weak. it twice. That's how you know yeah. it's a really good joke. That tells
1: you there, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, welcome to our world. So, how
5: yes.
4: do cows? How do cows stay up to date on all their news? How do what cows? How do cows stay up to date on all their information? Cows.
5: Okay.
4: How. They, they read a newspaper, a newspaper.
3: Man, these are the worst ones I've oh, ever heard. Oh, you're
2: flying on this one. <laughs> wow. I know. I hope, I hope there's not a stand-up routine that needed you because it's not good.
3: Not <laughs> only is this bad, someone stole his gimmick, and there was a whole thing about it. <laughs> Two idiots going at it for about a month and a half.
0: About dad jokes. Yeah.
2: Who cares, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what the, what the cows were saying. Who cares?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and so I just stand out, that I'm colorblind. The news come out of the blue. Oh, never no, mind, purple or, or red. I don't know. It come from somewhere.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> that may be the worst one. Hey, you
3: wanted want to be on two hours, Buff. This is what Hang you're getting in from now. the
4: rafters. I'm not able to beat that one. This one. I only seem to get sick on weekdays. I must have a weakened immune system.
2: <laughs> that was that was cute. I like that. <laughs> it's, afraid, it's always a good man. One.
3: It's always to say cute to a joke.
2: Yeah.
6: <laughs>
1: uh, and I think next we got uh Mr. Devin with his Devin, Devin Demographic.
6: All right, so my Devin's demographic. It's uh It's about a pay-per-view that we actually sponsored back in early 2023. It's the New South Heart of the Southern 16 Tournament. It is officially on YouTube, both nights, nights one and night two. You can see the entire tournament on New South. You can see the title match between Kenzie Page and Cabana Man Dan. Uh, You can see Hunter Drake versus Marcus Dillon. War Horse versus our boy Stomp Marshall. Bunch of matches. A huge tournament. I think everyone should go check it out. And uh, Buff, I don't know if you know anything about New South Pro Wrestling, but I think you should check out that pay-per-view as well.
2: I definitely will. Who's their, who's, who's their star? Uh, right now Page. it's
6: Tenzi Page is their heavyweight champion. She's also NWA's TV champion.
2: Oh, wow. I'll definitely check that out
1: yes she's she's definitely amazing for what she does in the ring and she just turned 21 i think it was 21 and just turned 21 and she's fantastic in what she does in the ring
2: how she look
1: 21
3: she looks 21.
1: (laughs) and she's a 10 out of 10.
3: everything every time i look at her i feel guilty about it you know what i mean my daughter's my daughter's almost 19 you know what i'm saying (laughs)
1: <laughs> I can say she's a ten out of ten.
6: You
3: say, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel guilty. <laughs>
6: I, I think it. she's one hell of a worker, nonetheless. Of course, Kevin's only did. got
3: about
0: five <laughs> years on her, so he's good.
6: Well a lot of her, uh, a lot of her title
0: defenses have been intergender matches too. So they've been, uh, they've been really, uh, you know, like
1: protective of stuff like that too. Especially well, her that- being that young, you know
2: i love it i love i gotta check that out
1: yeah def, definitely check her out i think like i said she does fantastic she has fantastic green work and everything i want to watch it for sure yeah so, i think james i think you're next on the list
0: <laughs> hell yeah well uh i uh a couple of questions i would like to ask is uh a lot of the announcers back in the uh the nitro days you know uh Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone, uh, do you have any uh, good stories or anything about them that you could share with us?
2: Um there, there's there's a couple good ones y'all may not know. Um one thing I don't know if y'all know or not, like the announcers, the announcers never wanted to be around us to know what was going on on the shows. Nick. Did know that? Did you guys know that?
0: But, Like yeah, no they, finishes or nothing, just so they could be like spontaneous, I guess.
4: Yeah, they want a genuine reaction that way, they, they don't want to know the finishes or anything.
0: Okay, yep.
3: all right, hey, we're, we're we're you know, just like in the ring, right? You got to improvise, oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Hey, we ain't live, <laughs> the, the of the live is live right tape.
2: <laughs> so, so yeah, so you know, they didn't they never knew what was going on in the ring because mm-hmm. they didn't want to know. So they could call it, you know, like they saw it. And so fast forward, my neck breaks in the ring and I'm injured. And they they don't know how to announce it. So if you listen to that, they're commentating during that. They're like, oh, there's this must be some kind of NWO trick. They're, they're, they're this can't be, they're, uh, look at Buff trying to fake his injury. And they didn't really know that I was really paralyzed. <laughs> That's uh... So, so Bobby, Bobby gets um, gets up from this from the uh, the talk the, they're talking and comes down to the ring to find out what really is going on and finds out my, that I'm really injured. And when he comes back, then they start talking like, "Oh, we've actually heard that Buff is hurt," and you know, so it's really um, they didn't know, you know, they didn't know what to say or what to do. So, yeah. um, so Bobby got up and came down and found out that I really did break my neck.
4: You know, Bobby Heenan's always on top of his commentary, even before the NWO started, because when Hogan come down to the ring, well, whose side is he on anyway? He seemed like he was always ahead of the game.
2: Yeah, he was, man. He was so good. Man, you know, but then again, man, Tony Schiavone is one of the best as well, too, bro. Mm-hmm. One of the best. We are
3: definitely big Schiavone fans here.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. He, Schiavone's a yeah, man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> James, did you have another question? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I would like to say that, uh, you know, like 1997, I think it was a really awesome year for wrestling. And, uh, you had like the, the rise of stone cold that year, you had the sting in the NWO storyline that year. And, uh, a lot of those memories are you coming down to that ring, strutting ass, doing that, uh, you know, swaying your arms and everything, you know, yeah. and, uh, posing and, uh, I booed the hell out of you growing up for sure because I, you know, like I didn't know no better. And then as I got older, I was like, man, that is was just like, you were that good at the stuff. And uh, like, so how does it feel sometimes to know like you're part of all of our like childhood or like, you know, college years or what, what have you like, uh, because no matter what has happened to you and things that have happened and all that, like our memories, you're in them. You know what I mean? Like you're the guy that's going there posing. You're the guy having all these matches and all that stuff. So do you ever get like – do you ever sit back and just kind of realize like I'm – I was on TV for millions. I mean, this is like the big boom, like six-point ratings, nine-point ratings, shit like that. How does it feel like, you know, just sometimes to be like no matter what's happening, I know that, you know, you got a million fans out there that like like cheering you on and stuff like that.
2: It's It's a real – it's a head trip, bro. It's a really – it's a lot to the point that you could – in the in the in the day when it was happening i mean it was so surreal that i was buff bagwell i was in the nwo i just caught a private jet with six of the top stars at wcw luger dallas eric bischoff scott norton and bo steiners to land in a city get picked up in a limo wrestle the show Get back in a limo and catch a private jet back to my home, and go to home and see the second see the second taping. <laughs> I mean, it was surreal, bro.
1: That's crazy.
2: I that, like based, was, that, that makes
4: the hot dog in a coke
1: any
2: day. <laughs> <laughs> it sure as hell does.
1: <laughs> back to Night. you, Mike. Well. <laughs> james as james it, i think we got one of the last segments which is mine unless we got a rant and Stanton, we got a rant in Stanton. You no know, here's the thing uh buff
3: i do a rant and stanton every week because stands my last name and i just it's just something that happens to me during the week i just wonder was anything this week that uh really grinded your gears that really pissed you off i'm not saying negative as in you want to you know i'm just saying the point where, like it just irritated the shit out of you anything like that <laughs> um Besides coming on here tonight,
2: <laughs> oh man, it's brutal. But that would have been a good one if I'd have said that. <laughs> if <laughs> if you, if I have said, a couple if, in me. If you said to have to listen to some storyless dead jokes, it'd have been great. <laughs> yeah, every everything was fine this week except this. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, had
2: a, I had a good, I had a good week. So surprise me, do something. Oh, uh, you know what it is
3: with me. I, I, so we went to a play. I, I'm a, I'm, I love wrestling, but I like the theater too. So my wife and I go to a play, but it wasn't a play. It was a, it was five dudes singing for two, for an hour and a half. So it was called Did you, called, a, did uh, you a
4: five guys again. There it is.
3: <laughs> so they called it uh uh forever young. So it starts off and they're like in grade school and it goes all the way to when they're out of school and then they come back, but it's just one cover song after another. I mean, it was decent. It was okay. It's like one of those just enjoy it for what it is, but there's this guy behind me and he's had too much wine and that's okay to each his own. But after every, now there's probably 30 songs, 30 songs. After every performance, this guy goes,
2: (laughs) Oh my God.
3: (laughs) And it was like the clap that just wouldn't stop. Like they have not. Like all right, first off, what is the slow clap for? How about just like, yeah, I don't even care if you clap along. But the slow clap at the end, get the get the get out of here. So then he starts whistling. What? What? You're gonna whistle behind me while they're singing? I mean, I wanted to just kill this jackass. But anyway, then he starts. I then I found out this was like first date. I looked back and I'm like, dude, this is the last date for you, pal. <laughs> Anyway, yes. Just annoying as shit. I'm trying just to enjoy a nice evening with my wife and she's squeezing my head away. What, she, what do you want to do? I'm not going to start shit with the, the theater crowd. You know? yeah. That's not exactly a place where you start a rumble.
2: But, the thing, um, the thing, every anyway. once in a while, I'll come across a fan that um, I, it was about a week ago I did this. And it's that fan that is definitely knows who you are a uh, 100% but for whatever reason they're uncomfortable about it so they want to repeatedly say i don't have any idea who you are <laughs> i mean i don't i don't know who you are great. and for whatever reason that happens to me a lot and oh they know who you are you're buff bagwell yeah but i always go you know what i go i don't know who you are either so we're even <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's great
2: but they just, I've, I've seen it so many times. It's like a, it's like a a fanboy or fangirl, and they're nervous and kind of, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of excited about meeting me, but they don't want it to show that way. So they go, I mean, I don't know who you are. It's so crazy. I just don't know who you are. And they say it so many times. It's like basically saying, we love you. Do you you
4: ever get mistaken for somebody like somebody says, Aren't you so and so? Do you ever get mistaken for somebody like
2: pretty regular? Well, with my goatee being gray now instead of dark and my hair being gray, I instead of getting, Oh my god, you're Buff Bagwell, I will get, You know, has anybody ever told you you look like Buff Bagwell? (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And 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 of course, I go, Oh man, I hear that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's
2: great. That's I hear that all the time. <laughs> I said you're not gonna believe this. I heard that just 30 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: well, Buff, I gotta I gotta tell you something real quick before uh, we move on to Mike's segment. I was born in ninety-seven. What so asshole, uh, huh? honestly, one go. of my first ever WCW memories is a match between you and DDP where you went to give him the diamond cutter and he grabbed the top rope and reversed it. And I've forever, forever been a fan of yours in pro wrestling. And I just want to let you know that you're one of my first ever memories. Well, I appreciate
2: that, man. It was, uh, that was, I remember that match and it was a great match. Dallas, Dallas liked to go over his matches a lot like I do. And, and we were really good friends as well. So that was a really good, really good match.
6: Oh, absolutely. So, Mike, did you want to show us
1: some for, meat? Is it time for my Mike's Meat Minute? So, Buff, what I do here is every week I give a recipe for a meal for someone to try. So, since we have you on today, I figured today I am going to try Buff Hello Chicken tacos. Oh, man. I like it. Woo! <laughs> nailed it, huh? Look at us. <laughs> Ding. All right. So what you need with this one is you need some shredded, shredded chicken. Best easiest way to do the shredded chicken is you can go to Publix or Ingles or whatever your grocery store is. And that already has the roasted chicken already made. You get that, take it home, shred it up. Then you need some tortilla shells. Then you need about a cup of shredded cheese, half a cup of ranch or blue cheese, whatever you prefer. And then you need a half to one cup of buffalo sauce. What you do is you cook your chicken, get your chicken nice and warm, mix in a bowl with your Frank's buffalo sauce, and just stir it together. Put it on your tortilla shell, add a little bit of ranch or blue cheese, whatever you prefer, and then just top it with a little bit of cheddar cheese while it's nice and warm. What's just like, you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, chicken taco
2: <laughs> i love it i love it. it sounds great
1: you can add yourself a little bit of lettuce on there and <laughs> it, whatever you want but that's i had to do a buff way so buffalo chicken it is i love it i love it and i think that's pretty much all we got for us today so buff if you'd like you know tell everybody how they can find you what they can do to get a hold of you or anything else like that anything special
2: yeah well first of all i want to thank you guys so much for having me man i thought it really really did well the Get out crew you guys were great i love your name i thought it was fantastic how y'all did it i've never done a podcast with this many this many voices involved and i, I like how y'all do it it was really well done i love watching my matches and talking about them because i don't get to do that Um, so I've really had a lot of fun watching that glacier match and remembering back and remembering that was the same night that we did the infamous, you know, um, you know, four horsemen skit and I was Kurt Angle and that was in Pensacola, Florida. And it was just, it was just a really good memory. And the Jericho thing too, that was a great memory and, um, just two really good matches. And, you know, I can't help but say this. I, I mean, I literally, I forget sometimes of how of how great I really was to the ring, bro. And I was. I was you definitely were really good at this. And I had a great time, I had a great time doing it. And I just figured it out that it and I had a, the right people to show me Aaron Anderson's and Rick Rude's and Bobby Eaton's and Stings and Louvers These I mean I had the, the best of the best teaching me. So out of it came one of a great wrestler, Marcus Bagwell, you know, and so I just had a blast doing what I did. And it's great to see guys that can love what I did and respect what I did. So thank you guys so much. And at the same time, the way to get to me is MarcusBuffBagwell.com. MarcusBuffBagwell.com is my website. When you go there, that gets you to all my platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and at the same time, it tells you what, what my schedule is, if you want a picture, if you want a DVD, anything you want about Marcus Bagwell can be found on Buffbagwell.com. So check it out. Let me know. My email address is marcusbuffbagwell at gmail.com. So that's for bookings or anything like that. So anybody that wants that, you got a way to get in touch with me. And uh, that's how you do it marcusbuffbagwell.com. Awesome, man. Now, Devin, you want to give it away?
1: what what? <laughs> what am i giving away <laughs> sorry shoot over
6: to james james you got anything for us well you know like uh our little
0: like mantra here on the show is like you know when life gets you down just kick out it too and you know that's kind of kind of how we live life you know of course life's gonna get shitty at points but hey you know you're the one that has the power to kick out it too they're the ones that are just you know Laying on top of you, maybe grabbing your tights. Fuck that! Kick out it too. Maybe throw that shoulder.
2: You know what I'm saying? Kick out it. Too. Kick out too. I love it.
0: Yes, sir. That's what we do. You know. Your hey, is
2: that? A, is that a flare robe? Yeah, yeah. That's a hey. flare robe behind you. Well, it's uh That's when so they did the uh,
0: legacy belt thing, like it came with the belt. That's cool
3: though. Yeah. It was a I gift. Like it. <laughs> great friend of the show uh, gave it to him. Uh, James Sorensen, but uh great thanks, friend of the Ray. show gave it to him. Can you believe oh, that?
2: That's great.
0: <laughs> what a popular yeah, guy. Pretty dope. Yes. <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. much all I got. Well, well thanks Bama, so much, really guys. Appreciate oh, you coming along. Yeah, no, thank
5: you. Um, thank
4: you for speaking. It was, our, it was our
2: pleasure. It really was a lot of fun, man. You guys know where I get me next time. If you want me for anything, I'm a phone call away. So you guys have a great night. I really appreciate it, man.
5: Oh
4: okay, yeah, you too. Thank you, so
2: much, Mr. Thank, thank you so much, Mister Bagel.
5: Thank you, Mister Bagel. Later. Bye bye.